Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. In this episode, we cover two topics, uh, one of them short-term and one of them long-term. The first topic is the continued evolution of the Terraform fork, uh, now known as the Open Tofu Project. Uh, we have a recap on what's going on with that. We talk about challenges. We talk about potential pressures from HashiCorp that created this whole situation. So a nice uh, balanced industry discussion around what the fork means, what its impacts are. If you haven't been following all this, we do a little bit of recap. Um, so I, I know you will get a lot out of the situation. And if you have been following it, um, there are some really spicy opinions throughout. Uh, 32 minutes in, if you want to jump forward, we resume our discussion about death of expertise, uh, what I uh, tongue-in-cheek call death by expertise. Uh, and in that, we dive into how do we get experts to recover their authority? Um, what's at play here? How do we, we look at organizations like that? And so there's about 20 minutes of really involved conversation about that book. If you haven't uh, heard our first part of the conversation, we really just pick right up from where we were. So I suggest you go back and listen to our full death by expertise, death of expertise conversation. Uh, I think I have to write a book now called death by expertise. Enjoy uh, both segments. Thanks. The thing that I feel like is missed with the with the tofu piece, and maybe and I'm not tracking them very closely, is I, I think that they're 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 not thinking about what the, they want the product to be, except an open version of Terraform. That that's my that's my that's why the tofu thing. I I agree with you. It's that you know, it it just misses some of the. What do they actually want it to be in this in the future? I I don't see it as being just an open version of Terraform. I see it as okay. being an open ecosystem. For for, for what? <laughs> well, like initially built around Terraform, but okay. it, it is likely that now that um, the various uh, Terraform value added uh, um, teams and, and, and companies uh, are getting together. Um, I mean, I'm almost optimistic in this, but I, I'm I'm hoping that we'll see more collaboration and better integration among these tools. Yeah, which would be a, a real boon for uh, for the users because. I mean, th th there is there's clearly still some shortcomings with Terraform, uh, and Pulumi addresses some of those, but Pulumi has its own issues, uh, particularly in right. again in, in in controlled environments and where you need to have uh, like certain certifications, like uh, FedRAMP or um, like uh, HIPAA or, or, or whatever. Uh, Pulumi, because it uses a third-party service always raise, raises some questions. Uh, and yes, you can, you, it always uses a third. I, I wasn't aware of that. Well, 
you you can now run your your a your own Pulumi cloud essentially, okay. but that requires an enterprise license, so it is not accessible for everyone. Interesting, it's something I didn't know. But yeah, okay. but essentially, it is like you 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 are a Pulumi client that calls the Pulumi API, and then the Pulumi cloud does the whole infrastructure management. Interesting. Okay. So they built it as a cloud tool right from the start, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. It, it's infrastructure as a service. Right. Um, I and, and that to me makes a ton of sense. One of the challenges with Terraform has been it was a desktop tool that, you know, in some ways was 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 never designed wasn't this i can't say never it wasn't designed to be a service or a platform it was a, a desktop tool this is this is my my point with the open terraform piece is i and i, I i'm just not following it closely enough but I'm, I'm not hearing it either of like a vision for terraform to become a dsl so that we can you can decouple the platform pieces from the dsl um well or, that that wouldn't be in HashiCorp's best interest at least i don't no. think they believe that to be the case well this is this to me is what what and and maybe this will come up at at kubecon now that they're they're in the thing but there's an architectural question over decoupling some of the HashiCorp interests as they tried to make it a cloud tool out of terraform um and so this is this is the it's like look if you're just trying to keep up with terraform because people love it and they love the dsl and all the providers that that that's that's sort of where they are at the moment what they're not what they're not doing is coming back at the moment i'm not sure it's even possible with the way how with how many um interested parties they have to actually look at it and say you know what from a managing a cloud interface layer in a generic way we want to you know simplify it to th to this utility so that we can then manage it in a very you know does that you're 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 looking at i think i lost you on it well my problem is that i i haven't followed the open the this the effort to create to, to create open tofu so okay. actually, if you wouldn't mind, you and Klaus wouldn't mind giving us the the one minute, you know, history. Who who's pushing it? Who where where are the where are the major kind of efforts going into this? Sure. Yeah. So it all started a couple of weeks ago when HashiCorp announced that they were switching Terraform to a new license, the business right. software right. license, I believe, or PSL, um, which has some rather questionable uh, conditions attached. For example, uh, it has a very generic, um, you, you may only use Terraform if your company is not a direct competitor to HashiCorp. <laughs> Taking a lesson from Meta, okay. 
Yeah. So, um, so of course, uh, there are a lot of value added companies for Terraform that either embed it or, uh, or enhance it or, or, or put wrappers around it. it. Yeah. Rely on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they consider this a legal risk to their business. Uh, and of course, the community as a whole, like, is not happy with the license not being open anymore. Um, so they, 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 like, within a week, they created the OpenTF Foundation. Well, uh, initially, that, with, with the rapid, intent of okay. yeah, yeah. of of asking Hashicorp, like, please revert this license because it is not good for the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, Hashicorp dug in and uh, they they continued uh, with the BSL. So, as a result, um, I believe like two weeks ago now, uh, the OpenTF Foundation yeah. officially opened the, the repositories and, and announced uh, a fork of Terraform based on the latest version of Terraform that that does not use the BSL. Uh, and then, yeah, since then, they, they've rebranded. Um, well, they, they've, they've already they, announced they also, that they were... Sorry, I mean, you're probably going to say what I was going to say. Sorry. Yeah, they, they also announced that they were that they were going to start uh, publishing um, their own um, uh, Terraform providers, uh, as opposed to having to rely on on HashiCorp's providers, because HashiCorp also changed the terms of use for the for their providers, saying like, okay, you may only use these if you use HashiCorp's Terraform. Yeah, they they went all in. There's another. The thing I was going to interrupt and add is that. Um, the CNCF has gotten involved, and part of the the, the rebranding is that the is that open the the original fork applied to and was granted um, statute as in the uh, CNCF as a as a as a project, and so it actually enters it's entering the CNCF, which is I think the Open Tofu renaming is part of that coming into the CNCF and meeting copyright guidelines and things like What's that. CNCF? I, I thought it was Linux Foundation. Or, or, I, which is, like, which oh, is they're, they're, they're hand in hand. Yeah. They're hand in hand, but it no, it was actually the C they're they're in the CNCF um as part of as part of that um cloud native. Yeah, it's it's a huge because right when you that means that the CNCF, which was never all that friendly with Terraform uh, HashiCorp, is now <laughs> just <laughs> like just 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 you know burned whatever bridge there was in that yeah. in that mix. Um, well, it's a very rickety bridge. <laughs> so, yes, it, it. Um, so so yeah, I mean, from my perspective, like this is a net good thing for the community. The, the biggest question is, how are the larger players going to um, react to this? For example, Google who, recently... Who is quick question. Who is maintaining, who are the leaders in the maintenance of the, uh, the open <laughs> repository? 
<laughs> so there that's, are that's the, a, that's, the, that's the miracle question here. Yeah. Keep, keep going, Glass. Yeah. So so to answer this question, that the there are again a, a number of uh companies that were pre again these value added uh terraform ecosystem companies. Um the ones that um some of them them were, were the founding members of of OpenTF, but they all um um they, they all said they would be contributing to OpenTF. Uh, and it, and if you go to their their website, they they have a, a list of like okay, like who is um who is willing to provide like technical support, who's willing to provide um economical support and, and so on. Conceivably from a a purely development resources perspective, Terraform went, what was Terraform? Tofu went from such a missed opportunity. Um, the went, went into a, a much higher resource level now that you've got it in a, in a foundation. Um, what, what um the, the other there's another piece to this which is all the providers because there's a lot more engineering that goes into the providers than that goes into the than, than tofu potentially but a lot of those providers are built by either hashicorp themselves or by hashicorp partners and so one of the things like what for rack n where we're an actual partner for for hashicorp it's a it's an interesting question of yeah. if we start aligning ourselves with with open tofu and doing things to support our provider there um, or switch over to it right um, you know, there's now dividing lines in the thing but for somebody like Microsoft or, or Amazon or Google that depends on all the Terraform stuff them deciding to resource or take over their their provider so that it runs an Amazon could be problematic. Um, are they are they clear in the uh, the license about what constitutes a competitor? And you know, no. the day that that HashiCorp decides to you know add a, add a widget to Terraform that goes straight against one of their former associates and you know some other member of the of the old uh ecosystem do they immediately become a competitor and therefore you know pull the plug it's, on them it is worded so broadly that gitlab git amazon devops um ibm with using any like using vault or terraform in the background to run your service would put you would put you crosswise potentially in this license holy smokes so so if you if you and a lot of companies did this like i i know i know because i've i've heard ibm talk about their architecture for like their kubernetes yeah. system they use terraform yeah. inside that that system yeah. to do provisioning work um so potentially that use is in violation of no they could just go buy, pay they, for it they could yes but they could, but they have potentially turned them into um into either competitors and therefore um and, withhold and, their use of it or 
turn them into, you know, kind of hold them for ransom. And, and even more challenging, there at, at the moment, HashiCorp doesn't have a way to license Terraform outside of using Terraform Cloud. So talk about problematic. So let's, let's say I said, you know what? I have my own substitute for Terraform Cloud. I just want to pay for to get, I want to be kosher on licensing for Terraform. Yeah. They, there, there is no concept, concept of how to do that. So if you've written a whole, uh, ter- like, so if I was Spacelift, which is one of the, the promoters of, of the Open Tofu stuff, and said, you know what? We have customers who don't want to use Open Tofu. They want to use Terraform for whatever reason. There is mm. no way within the license for any of any Spacelift customer to use Terraform in the new BSL license. And there's no way that that Hashi has yet made a a way to license Terraform for with Spacelift, which they they right they could they could say you know what I'm just going to charge you five dollars or whatever you know and 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 make money from other people's use of the, the platform and they they did not that would have actually been I mean, I don't I, I can't speak for them in any way shape or form but it's just that. <laughs> Hmm. It's a huge. It's a I huge. I mean, it's, it's yeah. It's a it's a it's a big deal. Has anybody in the open tofu community raised their hand yet about actually offering a you know basically open to well tofu as a service? Number one. Huh? Number two. Has anybody? Um, kind of signed up to be kind of generic um, commercial technical support for those people who adopt open tofu yeah, Is yeah. There a- there, there's 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 at least five vendors I can name without even breaking a sweat that, okay. that are already we're already doing that I mean this the essence of the problem is that we already had companies that were commercially supporting terraform. Without, right. without, you know, and monetizing that outside of outside of passion. without make without making a lot of noise about it. Actually, they were making a lot of they they HashiCorp raised their prices, and yeah, one of the precipitating events was when they raised their prices. Spacelift went out aggressively, really aggressively, and said, "Hey, we're cheaper, same better quality product, cheaper." And like, um, I watch the uh, Reddit threads on this stuff and they, you know, either, you know, I think, I don't, I don't think it's community people. I actually think it's spacelift people that are um, astroturfing in Reddit talking about um, them as an alternative. Mm. It's right. They're, they usually do this. Well, I, I work at spacelift and we have cheaper or whatever. It's, it, I see that actually yeah. quite a bit in, in these, in those fields. Um, this, but yeah, there's, sounds, there's several. This sounds like an opportunity if if one of the bigs want to take it on, one of the big CSPs, you know, to basically, you know, create a, a center of gravity around their offering that is, you know, kind of a pure play open tofu. Uh, likely one of the current uh, providers would get is an acquisition target from that perspective. Um, and now it's now it's you know yeah. there's conceivably neutrality for for embedding it and 
It could, right? This could actually really accelerate this as a platform. Um, yeah. My my thought is that there's an architectural question of what what needs to be done to actually create a neutral platform. And it could be Terraform is perfectly neutral and all that's great. I, I don't I don't think so. I don't think that's the case, but um I don't either, but here's my question. Yeah. What precipitated all of this other than HashiCorp trying to become the acquisition target of call it AWS or Google mm. or other. I, Particularly I, around the notions of AI. I did not expect you to throw an AI piece in there. Um, yeah, I didn't either. I did. Huh. <laughs> well, Klaus. Can you, can, can, you yeah, can was... get somebody unwind? <laughs> why? why? Um, actually, yeah. uh, one of the announcements on, on, on at Google Next uh, 2023 was mm -hmm. that um, Google has now some pretty interesting AI-driven uh, integrations for Terraform, um, where they, where, for example, that they, you can now create some infra or, or provision some infrastructure manually through their cloud console. And then ask it to produce the Terraform plan based on that. Okay, uh, so... And there's also some, again, some uh, some uh, generation aspects as well, where you could, where Google can provide um, so Terraform code for you that it, that they believe is optimized. Okay, Makes sense. and there's a similar play floating around AWS. Uh, and yeah. there's also one floating around in IBM. Huh. So, we love reInvent coming up uh, next month. Yeah. Don't be. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been very quietly watching HashiCorp for a while, and I figured that it's ripe for acquisition. The question is, who's going to put up the bucks to do it? And um, my money is currently between... Google and IBM. So I could see that happening within the next year. But does, how does this help them get there? It, it, Who HashiCorp or, Hashi, or the big yeah, player? Hashi. No, I mean, I mean, their their tool set is is really that is is it's it's, it's not particularly uh, unified. It's a it's a this is the challenge. I can I can yeah, definitely Tyler. see them making this change to target IBM specifically because yes. IBM is very particular about their patent portfolio. Like they're, they're like sure. yes, they, they are a tech company, but their main business is patents. Mm -hmm. You bet. And uh, again, uh, having uh, like purchasing a Restricted license uh, software company. Uh, it, I can see that's being more appealing to IBM uh, than purchasing a company that uses an open license. Although they've done that in the past, like Red Hat, Red Hat. which itself had bought Ansible before that, um, which is again another thing. Like 
Okay. But yeah, the, the, yeah, but management, I don't, I don't... now they're, 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 they're also roping in infrastructure management into the portfolio. Oh, it's an interesting question. But then how I, how, uh, and then the AI connection? It's What's the, the next? topic to jure. Oh, okay. Because I, I don't I don't think Hashi has a particularly strong AI story at all. No, they it's don't. The, it's the provisioning it's a, for it's yeah. the provisioning for highly distributed or HPC, which is needed for AI. And the yeah. fact that more and more enterprises want to bring AI in and not go through a managed service provider for it, they need okay. the capability to be able to provision that in such a way as it makes sense to the architecture of what's an X. Sure. Uh, just, or what Google they're, is they're about provis- to unfail. Their provisioning tools are so weak <laughs> from that perspective. I'm just but. saying, you know, I mean, think about what Klaus said, and he did a very good job, took many of the words out of my mouth. But this is the reason. I mean, I could foresee this coming about six months ago, and I started noticing subtle shifts in the company itself mm-hmm. but i believe it's positioning itself for acquisition sure. and this is part and parcel thereof that's a that's a, I, I i think that's a very reasonable scenario i i was looking at them as just under revenue pressure from a as a public company they've, mm-hmm. they've, they've, that they've, they've used up their honeymoon period and they're they're now having to monetize and it's it's just untenable to have all, all these other uh, companies, VC funded companies, um, basically marketing against you with your own product. Yeah, right. I, I was stealing myself for a new product at Elspeth, but that never uh, consolidated. Or, or so, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think Joanne is. Uh, you're you're, you're yeah. like your guess is likely the the top likely um, outcome there. Just yeah. when you guys were talking about Hashi. Yes, yep. and, to- and tofu. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I still believe that there's something that I. I. I have learned to not underestimate that that team, and I think they've got something up their sleeve. That that my I, right there's a, there's a scenario here that's not incompetent, bumbling, you know, you know, messing up the relationships, and it's actually we've got something really cool that we are putting together, and we. Didn't, it, it couldn't be in the open. It had to be part of something bigger. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm not ready to discount that uh, option yeah. at the moment because I, I think but just e- smart. But team. even that, yes, they are. But even that, I think, still plays with Joanne's and Klaus's mm-hmm. um, scenario in which what they're doing is you know, organizing things for an acquisition and you know, not, yeah. not because not becoming another Docker, for example, or, or at the very least a partner. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, it, like considering how long they've been mum about things now, or like several weeks, which is a, a lifetime in terms of software communities. Um, like I, I, I cannot see uh, the this being a completely internal thing. 
So so either either they're 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 positioning themselves for an acquisition or they are or, paying for a partnership announcement which is already in the works. Yeah. yeah which I, I'm guess it's not gonna be Google then because they, they <laughs> would have announced it uh two weeks ago during next. So right. um could be AWS, could be IBM. Um we'll we'll see, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it's not IBM. <laughs> I I am with you on that on that hope. I'm not going to comment. Interesting. All not, right. Not because of my two blue okay. stripes, but but just because I I've heard too many little whispers from too many different people that. I could get into trouble for saying anything, okay. but that being the case, I don't think it would be a bad thing for IBM to acquire them. I would. Oh, it it wouldn't be it. bad for IBM. It would. It would be bad for the community. Yeah, I, that's what I. Was well, talking. yeah. What's What's left of it? It's the challenge. <laughs> I, I I don't want to see the Terraform products go the way of Red Hat. I I I. In, in this weird way, HashiCorp just made this tremendous donation to CNCF that um, yeah. we're, we're... And, and that is why I, I said earlier that I consider this a net positive change because Agreed. now the, the, the Terraform ecosystem is more open. I I think that if they can govern the the Tofu initiative effectively, um then i think it's a it's a big win for consumers i actually don't think it's going to help the tofu um i don't think the companies that are in the middle of it are going to be helped as much as they you know they need it but i think that they're driving they're they're putting a core value proposition of their company into the into a shared a shared um domain without without it being clear architecturally where they're that if they can create differentiated value out of it yeah i mean for, for the for the companies involved in this like this was a necessity it's it's either do this or or fold up because they they were on untenable terms. agreed but what they've just done is make it super easy for a company like me to embed terror you know, what was terraform into our products as part of a community effort and so um it, I, I would the Terraform has not created differentiated, differentiable value in the operational, in the platform layer. And they prove that because there are so many people using Terraform for it. This motion will actually further the um, portability, which I want for consumers from a vendor perspective. We just increase the portability of Terraform into to make it embedded into all sorts of products. Um, yep. So anyway, um, we have 20 minutes left. If y'all want to, um, we were going to talk about the book a little bit more. And if anybody had thoughts, I mean, as much as I, I want to talk about Tofu and I'm, I'm holding back my, my thoughts on the naming um, in favor of having some time because the, it was that death of by ex, death by expertise death of expertise 
<laughs> I, think I, like, I think I like I like my revised title better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, oh, any? I have people thought about it. What's what? What? Yeah. After thinking about it for a week, what's what's on people's minds? Well, there were two things that that kept coming back in my thinking. One was what would you take away from this argument or this this point of view that would lead to um different forms of literacy we kind of touched on it last week and i hmm. i i made a couple of uh, of comments uh one about you know teaching people rhetoric and kind of the recognition of when they're when they're being um taken for you know in a in a confidence the, game the, the confidence versus, game thing yeah right but it's not just you know kind of the extremes in confidence taking you know having having a reasonable sense of you know what is a what constitutes a rational argument and you know what how do you deal with cogent cogent advice from an expert from anybody um that was one thing um and then the question was all right what would you need to do to tune experts people who place themselves as in into the market as experts not influencers and um what would you have them do to change their behaviors behave change their means of of um both getting respect earning winning respect and then being effective as experts so those were those were two questions that just kept running around in my mind um huh. And what I came down down to was <laughs> the course in rhetoric, but also, uh, you know, what other forms of literacy need to be kind of generally available and applicable here? And statistics tends to, you know, just simple, <laughs> easy, applied statistics would be one of them. That was that was a. That, that would be that would be more useful to people than basic math at this point in life. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You can you can get a you know a hand calculator or your 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 iPhone will will do most of this, most of that. I, I can see third graders with uh learning statistics more than more than memorizing multiplication tables now. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Sorry. those were those yeah. were two questions. Well, one of the ones, you know, to Rich's point about rhetoric, I thought the art of debate and depoliticizing, because, you know, there were comments made last week that had a political bent. And I don't think that experts should be political unless they're political as their mm. as their area of expertise. What do you so what do you what do you what do you do when neutral statements become politicized though 
Well, I think you acknowledge them. You, you know, as an expert, you can say, I know that this has been, this has been taken up by this group of people. They have made it a political issue. Let me see if I can, first of all, acknowledge it, Mm. acknowledge it, and then remove the politics as much as I can from what I'm about to say or what I'm about to present. And it probably puts more of an onus on the experts to be transparent about the means by which they've come to their conclusions. It means uh, greater transparency if they're doing experiments, uh, showing experimental design, um, a lot more of a um, interest in or demand for uh, replication of results if it's if it's an experimental issue. I, I mean, one of the things from this book was this denial of facts, though, bringing people bringing their own facts. Yes, with um, no 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 background, no basis. You know, simply here's a fact, yeah. and I I I, you know, I submit it as a fact with nothing beyond the fact that I submitted it. That is the point in which you know, kind of debate as as Joanne puts it, and I, I think of it as a little bit broader with the whole rhetoric issue. Um, it's like, okay, you say it's a fact, um, you know, back it up. I want a footnote. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's the part of the, you know, difference I think between you call it rhetoric, I call it debate. The reason I, I look at it more as debate is because there's so much hyperbole attached to everything that that level of credibility diminishes. So if you said to me, back it up with fact, that's where the notion of statistics comes in, of representing data with citation, uh, you know, in verbal footnotes, if you will, according to such and such. And, you know, if you really want the link, I'll, I'll send you the link, whatever. There's a certain amount of authenticity, and that takes away from both the politicization mm-hmm. of the argument and it also takes away from the hyperbole. And Good that's man. how we get back to, I think, you know, um, uh, changing the behavior of the expert to truly be credible as a thought leader, an expert. Uh, and I, I'm not using those two terms interchangeably, but there are many thought leaders who are experts, maybe not in that direct field, but they have the, the credence and the credibility and their reputation. But, in what, the I mean, speak. You're, but there's there's a challenge here because I think some of this is about amplification and press and giving people airtime that, that mm. I think is a challenge, right? There's There's been... A pattern, and this isn't new, but where somebody just overloads, say, an interviewer with false statements that yeah. are demonstrably false, and they just and and they they overload the 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 interviewer's ability to say those are false, those are false, those are false. Um, you know, and and one of the challenges that we have is that we we definitely have made it those those people get airtime. Even mm-hmm. though they're 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 they have a pattern of producing 
untrue, you know, un, you know, voluminous numbers of untruths. Um, it, I mean, you're, well, you're saying I, your time to begin with. Well, now it's anybody right now. It's, you know, you can, you can go to, I mean, there's a, there's a big article right now on the anti-defamation league pieces against right. X and Elon Musk. And it's all going all the way up to the prime minister of Israel. Um, yeah. Of, of amplifying, you know, hate speech, which is, is, um, I don't think is actually that far step removed from the death of expertise. Um, no, I, I don't disagree with you, Rob. I think, I think I'm coming at it from a slightly different perspective, which is, okay. um, that they were provocateurs. And mm. we live in an age when provocation is the means to airtime. Yes. You can be absolutely 100% factual, credible, authentic, have credentials out the wazoo, say something that's no relatively normal, even slightly provocative. It'll get you the airtime. But beyond that, it's those that are true provocateurs that get the airtime. Trolls on Twitter, whether it's, you know, that whole thing. Go ahead, Diane. Yeah. So I think one of the opportunities here as we, you know, sort of explore expertise is in the challenges that we have. So let's take the uh, let's take the pandemic, for example, when you're going to have experts weighing in on serious social issues. I think what's maybe missing is just not enough expert being involved. And what I mean by that is mm. besides Fauci, uh, could we have somebody from the CDC? Could we have behavioral psychologists? Could we have economists? Could we have vaccination experts? Could we have um, educational experts? So we're, we're dealing with what are the impacts of a pandemic from a 360 view? And then the experts teach us by example of how to engage with each other instead of it becoming yeah. like Fauci said so, so now you're wrong if you don't agree you know and actually one thing that was a little bit offensive about the book was I'm a lay person and that doesn't mean I'm an idiot right so yeah. we have humans that are educating their children saving up for college getting themselves to work, becoming productive members of society, even if they're a waitress, who know how to think about issues that matter to their families, but we're not being trained by the experts on how to engage in a complex conversation in public. And that's where I would like to see, you know, or the, with the election, and I'm going to stop talking about it after this, but after with the election <laughs> situation, what if we engage behavioral psychologists? We didn't engage constitutional experts in the conversation around election integrity. Um, we didn't engage the conversation of democracy versus republic in a way that we had multiple experts not yelling at each other on CNN but engaging like with the with the fundamentals of rhetoric and debate. And I think it's our job to hold those experts to account to demonstrate how to be thoughtful and engage many people and show that they can maybe entertain a different opinion. Um, and that's where I would hold experts to account. Yeah. I mean, it almost I says it almost agree. says that 
that what you want is to actually have legitimate experts who don't agree, but who can, you know, discuss an issue, address the issue, make their make their points and not turn it into uh, a bun fight. Or even play in with a whole bunch of like, look, I get it. Like if we're going to if we really think that a two week shutdown is going to flatten the curve, that's what it means economically. That's what it means educationally. Then we can make informed decisions as society and listen to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like there are impacts. The And we were just coming at it from shut down the virus, but not looking at all the other implications of what a pandemic yeah. was. And it, and it wasn't the first time we've had a pandemic. So it's not like we couldn't have had those conversations or not known who to engage. I don't know if it's, you know, I, I agree with you that the 360 degree perspective and, and the view of kind of a prism comes to mind. But I think it, it really depends on the rapidity with which we have to act and to educate because, yeah. you know, the informed opinion of the economist or the psychologist or the industrial planner or anybody is a very valid argument. But at the time, I think the sense of urgency around an expert is only one with the longevity of a Fauci in the practice of dealing with viri that's the only way to go. And I, I completely agree with you that the, the broader perspective was required, but I think that also has to be a global perspective. But okay, so let's take it away from one issue, though. I completely agree with you, Joanne, and that if experts aren't ready to respond on the moment, then they're not really very good experts. <laughs> but it could have happened over two weeks. We could have been like, okay, now we did the shot. It's, you know, and let, I don't want to, I don't want to make this one issue. I just wanted to use an example. It's, of- no, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I think we can generalize it. And, and I think it's a, it's a good example because we all lived through it, it and there was a lot of trauma here and a ton of uncertainty. I, the thing that you're, y'all are doing that I, I have really mixed feelings on though, is pushing it back to the experts to be more compelling or to be more ba- like, and, and I think the, the way I read the book is the issue is that the experts don't can't have, in some ways can't have the defense to be persuasive because that actually limits what they're, they're right. They're no longer an expert. If they're advocating a position to be more persuasive, then they are no longer the expert. And then like, you know, you, you, then you can do things like demonize, like, you know, Fauci to, to go back. I mean, I think it's a great example because literally they were just like, he's a bum, throw him out, fire him. Right. And, and, you know, overlooking the fact that they didn't want to hear his opinion on it. And so whether or not he had all that opinion, it'd be better to have, to your point, another person who was an expert than somebody across from him saying, I just don't want to do that. So I, you know, I, and we're not well positioned to, defend the experts aren't and really can't be positioned to defend themselves they should be and, and that this is my dilemma on this I, i'm not saying it as well as i want but i i, I don't i can't see a position where you take somebody who's a, who's is an expert on something and then throws them into you know they should be able to debate their stuff and they should it but they're not they're not going to be able to say well that's just not a fact easily Green. i think i think though 
I, I can understand your perspective and especially the mixed feelings about it. I don't know that I took it as experts need to defend themselves as much as experts need to advocate more for themselves and for their opinions by drawing in sort yeah. of a connect the dots methodology of, of drawing others into their sphere. If Fauci had, had talked, you know, think of an interview between Fauci and a lead economist. I won't, right. I won't reference Uncle Milty, but irrespective <laughs> of that, think about what that conversation and dialogue would look like. Well, and uh, they're not teaching us to, uh, they're not teaching us to address an, a, an opinion or a stance. They're teaching us to address a personality or a person, which right. is the opposite of what great debate is. Yes. They, yeah, we switch into ad hominem attacks. But who is they attacks. teaching us? The experts. Is I it think educators, or or is it society in general? Well, I think that let's let's be responsible for being society in general, right? Like we're letting them do that by how we consume media and how we respond in the comments. Well, isn't knock it off? Yeah. You're you're not educating us. And, you're and, and Trump didn't help anything. BTW. Well, we've just we've just. You also kind of given media itself a pass for what they, you know, sure. they put in place in order to get viewership, get attention, because they are they have a, a slightly different um, charter to to address, which is, you know, get your get your numbers up, um, draw in, draw in viewers um maintain maintain attention and that goes for kind of the kind of conventional media it goes for social media mm. as well um mm. that's part of the difficulty here and i think it's it's addressed in the book it's just there aren't any there aren't any clear levers that that i believe we have at the moment to make changes in some of them so the question is are there any in which we as a as a as a society as a general as a kind of a general populace are there any with which we do have a chance of making a difference well this is the lever right here i mean for a long time I don't know, outside the United States, but it was like what happens around the, the conversations that happen around the dinner table matter. Um, and so I think this matters, this conversation, even if I think this matters, having forums like this. I, I agree with you. There's an interesting I, comment I was listening to uh, my local NPR stations doing their their fundraising. Um, and um, they were making comments about you know, newsrooms being defunded and that if you go back into the 60s, there was a requirement if you were going to broadcast on airwaves that you had a newsroom. And so there was a lot of funding as a, as a consequence for news. And then same thing with like fair and balanced on F on, on, you know, on broadcast media, but cable media didn't have the requirements because it was not regulated the same way. And right. We have, we have consistently, hold out the expectation that these these public because they, we keep privatizing them these public forums 
become have fair and balanced or have news or have journalism and standards around that journalism. Right? That's the, the funny thing to me is we have all that. It's all there, but we just keep narrowing the places where you have to have it you well, know, in the U.S. more and more. Well, it, it, yeah. that, that's not quite accurate. Like the, 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 the requirements for impartialness and like in, mm-hmm. in, in the seventies, for example, were a lot higher than they are now. Yes. Uh, and uh, I mean, unfortunately, the, 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 the Regan, uh, yes, uh, uh, rule or like when Regan's uh, team was out, they, they removed a lot of these policies. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't it wasn't just on, on the news side. It was all media. Like for example, um, like children's shows. That there was a very clear uh, shift a- around then because, uh, like for the longest time, uh, they weren't allowed to advertise directly to children. That got removed, and then there was an explosion of toy-based shows. Which happens even up to now, um, and yeah, over time, like deregulation removed a lot of these uh, protections as well. Like e- even the, the the more recent um, changes to the CRTC. Uh, yes. Right, uh, so it's um, uh, it it's been going on, uh, and the the. The, the rules have been eroded or circumvented uh, by um, by less scrupulous uh, um, people, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, they're not being reestablished. And that I think is is a key insight in this in the book is there isn't there doesn't seem to be a compensating factor pushing us back towards that type of um it's not even balanced it's it's acknowledging people's expertise and 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 some governance on 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 this so hmm. all right we are we are over time so i'm i'm gonna um i know we'll keep coming back uh to diane's point I really love having you all as as the, as as a panel of experts in our <laughs> in our fields, um, and and I think that that's important. And I agree with you. So thank you. Yes. All right, everybody. No, no meeting next week. I can't run it. So um, I'm just we're just going to skip. Actually, I think this. God, I'm traveling way too much this week, and and next week I'm on an airplane. So it's a two month a two week hiatus. Okay. I'll miss you all. Thank you. Bye. 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 Wow. What what a great conversation in every uh, facet. Uh, I love how this group is able to really look at these broader implications, hold the industry uh, to account uh, and think through what are the implications? Why are we not valuing expertise in these interactions and what can we do to create uh, environments where experts are, are heard instead of uh, discounted. 
And I really do believe uh, Death by Expertise needs to be the title of my next book. Um, if this is interesting to you, and I hope it is, please join us for these conversations. You can find out more at the2030.cloud, uh, where we post our agenda and schedule and topics. Just come by, hang out. We want to hear from you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and, you know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.